Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, guys. Welcome back. Yes. Mark yes. Monday. Happy Monday. We on the run eating. That's a fact. Houston edition. Shout out to mm -hmm. Slim Thugger. That's a fact. Yes. Chopped it up with him earlier. H-Town, what's up? H-Town, legend, pioneer in the game. Um, very important week for Earn Your Leader. Tomorrow, we have Van Jones. Wow. Legend oh, my God. In the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend in the political game. Used to work for... President Obama yes. at the White House CNN show and mm -hmm. recently received a grant for $100 million from Jeff Bezos. Yes. Did you know that? I had no clue. Yeah. He, is, he is managing a fund. Yeah, he got the $100 million. He got the $100 million wow. from Jeff Bezos. The um, fun to fun play. Fun yeah. Fun play. You want to talk about the power of relationships? Wow. That's interesting, interesting story, story, man. Yeah. He, yep, he's responsible for distributing it to um, different businesses he's investing in. So, yeah, Jeff Bezos gave him 100 million. So, a lot to talk about. That's one of those classic episodes. Hey, it's out tomorrow listen, at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Every now and then we do an episode. Like, we love all the episodes, but every now and then we do an episode. And when we finish, I'm like, this one's a certified special. classic. This one is yeah. super special. Like, we've had that feeling a few times. Steve Harvey, obviously. Um, 
your episode in for sure. There's just some of them where you like, yo, we this one's gonna be special. When we finished that Van Joe's episode, I'm like, this is special. In fact, I went back to listen to it as soon as we got the recording. I'm like, this is one of them. So I want to make sure everybody locks into this. It's a very important episode for the future of society, really, but definitely y'all community, definitely y'all culture. That's he dropped some gems, like some real actionable items about what we need to be doing. For sure. For sure. All right. So let's get into this. Um, any announcements, Ian? Uh, Stock Club call will be tomorrow or Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central. Stock Club prices are out. Get your tickets to Market Monday Chicago. Um, tickets are selling out soon. And I don't think prices will ever be this cheap for the tickets ever again if it's up to me. So if I made you money, please put yes in chat. Let's go. Chicago. You're on the way. We are a couple weeks away. October 22nd. We're going to have Ross Mack in the building with us. We're going to have 19 Keys in the building with us. We're going to have some other surprises. Ian's doing giveaways. Um, it's going to be a legendary night in Chicago, October 22nd. Don't wait to the last minute. Get your ticket. Click the link in the bio. Yes. The link will be pinned. Um, Chicago, 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 Chicago. That's what yes. we're focusing on right now. So, Shotown, we will see you in a few weeks. This is true. This is true. And you know how this works, man. This is our disclaimer. Do your own research. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making an investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and wish to rely upon whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise continue to do the research, continue to share the research, give credit to the people that you found it from. Love is love. Let's build community. All right. Yes. Let's yes. Get, let's get into it. Um. So, put a post on Instagram last week. Got a lot of attention that interest rates, home mortgage rates, mm -hmm. um, were approaching eight percent. Some in some instances they're already eight percent or over eight percent, depending on your credit score. Different parts of of uh, the country, different things of that nature. So, interest rates are rising at very high levels. It's in fact, it's affecting people, especially if you're trying to buy a home um, or if you're trying to borrow money and you see that interest rates, you're trying to buy a car. So interest rates are rising. Right. So why are interest rates so high? And when do you think we'll see relief from these very high interest rates? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we probably won't see any relief for about 18 months. Um, the reason why uh, government debt is out of control. We've talked about that endlessly here. Um, global markets across the world are losing faith in our political system. There are too many bonds available and no one wants to buy them. And if we're going to be honest, the bond market and those who manage the bond markets are not as smart as we thought. And of course, because they want to correct this market to have a soft landing, which we won't have. Um, those are the five reasons why interest rates are continuing to be high. They want to suppress the consumer to not have as much power so that they can drive them back into the workplace and get everyone from off this whole work from home vibe. Um, it is not working at scale, but when you factor all those things in together, we'll talk about the war that's going on um, later, but when you factor all those things in together, that's why interest rates have been going up and they won't be coming down anytime soon. And also the biggest reason uh, quantitative easing has ended mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. So now rates have to go back up. Um, as I said before, we are just operating in the interest rate environment that we should being um, but when our debt well i talked about it last week but we are now paying more for the interest of our debt than we are national defense debt is a problem 
Yeah, you, you talk about quantitative easing. For those who are not familiar with that, I just want you to break that down for a little bit because I guess the timing of what we're seeing now is is important, right? So if you bought a home in the 80s and you heard 7.75 interest rate, you're yeah. thinking that's pretty good, right? Yeah. Based on, you know, with the times that we were in in the 80s. But hearing it now and looking at it from a 20-year time span, you realize, wait, there was a 10 to 15-year period of we were having interest rates of 2%, 0 to 2%. Yeah. And so could you just break that down for people who are not in the know? Uh, quantitative easing is just the government pouring in money to offset the losses that were not being produced by the economy. So when we had the crash or the dot-com crash that led into 9-11, that led into the 07 crash. When Obama got in, one of the first things that he did was say, hey, we need to put more money into the economy so that the United States does not collapse. It's great, but it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like if I give you money at 0% interest, everyone's going to thrive. But when that is taken away, think of it like uh, if your parent gives you a hundred grand as a teenager, kudos to my mom and dad for never doing that because I would have blown it and acted stupid, right? But the government was our financial parent for 12 years and gave free money. Interest rates were low. Everyone was partying and having a good time. But now we have to be financial adults and things are a lot tighter. So that's essentially what quantitative easing is. Yeah. And, and there's some pain, right? Like we talked about it last week. In order to reduce inflation, there's going to have to be some pain. And raising interest rates, the amount of money it's going to cost you to borrow has to increase. So they want people to slow down. So these are some of the things that we're talking about. Yeah, it, it sounds terrible, but these are the necessary causes, quote unquote, in order to yeah. reduce that inflation number. And, and quantitative easing and interest rates, I talked about this on Stock Club call last week. They are two of the most important indicators that you have to focus on when investing. RSI doesn't matter as much. Shout out to everyone who uses RSI. I'm not alienating anybody. I've learned that lesson, right? But when you're looking at real economic indicators that matter, quantitative easing is one. Where interest rates are is number two. Yield curve will be number three. Um, So you have to factor those in to see where we are to know if the market generally is going to go up and go down. When we have quantitative easing where interest rates are zero to 2%, every stock is going to do well. Uh, MyPillow.com is going to probably get an IPO and SPAC Central. But um, when interest rates are higher, 4 to 9%, only the good companies are going to rise to the top. Yeah. And it's a laggard metric, right? So if they raise it to that to 7.75 now, we won't know the effects of it because it happens on a month-to-month basis. We'll have to see. That's why mm-hmm. the, the timing is important, right? When we talk about 12 to 18 months down the line, it's because we'll be able to see the effects of raising it in this first quarter, uh, fourth quarter, the first month. Right. And so yeah. we'll have to see by maybe summer or maybe the first quarter, uh, fourth quarter of next year to see the long term effects of it. So that's important to know. Right. The, the interest rates get raised now. Yeah, it affects you now, but we have to see the long term over time, over a time period. I agree. Yes, sir. Hit the like button and yes. share. Yes. Hit Five the friends, like please. button and share. And very important. Um, OK, let's talk about this. What is your trading tip of the month? Um, number one, um, if you are not taking 300 practice trades, you are setting yourself for up for suicide. Uh, Rashad, I want this thing that you went through before last week. Uh, somebody was like, Hey, I had a friend to lose money trading features, and I'm mad at you. And I'm like, I'm sorry that happened. Can you tell me how many trades he took? He took five trades, then went live. Never in the history of this show, Red Panda, assets over liabilities. Uh Ranting gyms. Have I ever said take five or six trades or seven trades and go live? I never said it on Wealth Therapy, never said it at Invest Fest. If you don't take 300 trades, you're going to die. 
<laughs> point blank. Literally, point there. Literally. Literally. Girl's going to leave you. Sorry. Uh, listen, it's going to be a disaster. Number two, you want to see what the inflows and outflows are for the assets that you are trading. You can go to white charts. I think you can also get the information on bearings, but white uh, charts is where I lean. You can get a free trial, sign up for it. I know it's rather pricey, but we have to get out of this desire to be number one. Because I know a rap, they always say, well, if you're coming into the game, you should feel that you're better than Drake. No, you shouldn't. You got to earn that. You got to earn that you're better than Simba and earn that you're better than Thug. I want us to stop looking at everything as a hustle and flip and put time into mastery. You don't have to. You don't have to like our takes about not having balance and then have balance. Let's compare the balances in the checking and savings and retirement accounts, though. So all I want to do, everybody tough on the internet to ask, how much money do you have? Not saying it to be flippant or arrogant, because I know that's the take that was prevalent last year. No 767? No. <laughs> Shout out to my guy. I don't want too much smoke from either side. Shout out to Joe. Shout out to Drake. Love y'all. I want peace between all my light-skinned brethren. But I think we have to stop wanting world-class riches without having world-class traits, success, habits and routines that are locked in you're not going to get rich trading four or five times in a day or in a week and then go live and think everything's going to work out it's a whole bunch of people i see still copying y'all cool it's not working too well views are down business model for us is still up so um my two two will be two tips practice 300 trades even on the option side and also go to where the inflows are so you can see if the inflows are going up like have they had for oil since the war uh, has broken out or if they're going down like the bond market has been since 2020. Yeah. I'm going to do one podcast shot and I'm going to take over. I don't like your pajamas. I don't like how arrogant you got. So I'm going to do my own podcast called Earn Your Luxury. That spin off. Not working. For a lot of y'all, it ain't working. They got to earn their compliance. I, it ain't working. It ain't working. I, I'll add just half of a tip. I, I think it's the education part. Right. So even like at this level, it's like, yeah, we've had success, but we're all, I'm always trying to learn more. So I'm still reading books every day about optics training. I'm still like dabbling in what futures really is because I want to know the why. Right. It's cool to yeah. invest and it's cool to understand what we're saying. But I want people to really understand their why. Why are you investing in that company? Yeah, we're telling you some things, but are you doing the necessary homework to figure out why you're investing in this, what you're investing in? Right outside of it, we always say that in, in, when we're talking about anything that we're you know we're investing is like this is what yeah. we're doing. You, not necessarily saying that you have to, but mm -hmm. you could find out on your own. So education is is the other part that I think that people lack and they they don't take advantage of. It's like I'm gonna rely on these guys because they're giving us value and information. We've made money in the past from it, but what happens when these guys aren't here? Then what? Right. So that that exit strategy coming soon. Not to cut you off. Earn your exit. Uh, <laughs> Mike, hit that trademark button. Go right. ahead. So that that part of it, it needs it needs to be part of the the trading for every month. Like, why am I doing it? What's the end goal? Uh, and what are the companies that I'm 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 making these these long term investments in? Going back to desire, I was in there watching uh David Beckham's series about his life. Started playing pro football at 17 years old. Played until he was like, I think, 37. Like, put all of his attention, effort, energy, and focus into one craft for a long period of time to then be one of the best of all time. 
We have to stop thinking in our culture that we're going to do something for two weekends and work on a master. I don't care if you're a party promoter. I don't care if you're a podcaster, investor, um, whatever you're doing, you have to put all of your time and energy into it to be great at it, to then be able to monetize. It's true. It's true. Or do it your way and end up losing. Shout out to the guy who lost. If you need anything, hit me up. But if you're mad at me for something I didn't say, or if you, I know people be like, yo, I don't like the format of the show no more. Don't listen. But how is that going? I can name a bunch of other shows on bigger quote unquote platforms. And if I tell you the real TV numbers, NBC Universal will be upset. There aren't making you any money. If I've made you money, please put yes in chat. So, but that being when said, Rashad, when Rashad do the, the neck roll, okay. th th that's like when Rodman be doing too much. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> what is the investment <laughs> opportunity that everyone is missing? Um, I think outside of AI, of course, Ozempic has been huge, but I think any, um, we'll go to do your research on cancer treatments that are extending life and life quality by 10 to 15 years. I think that is going to be the next wave over the next maybe six to seven years. Like the weight loss drug and Ozempic in that era has completely taken over. But I think um, decreasing morbidity rates and quality of life increases while a patient has cancer. Not that I can't say everything that I've been told, but I've been hearing there's some alternative treatments that are coming from mainstream healthcare companies that are not as damaging as chemo or um, any of the traditional remedies that are coming. So if you can have cancer, go into remission, have high quality of life, don't lose your hair, don't lose all of your um, healthy antibodies, I think that will set the stock market on fire over the next four or five years. Yeah. Isn't that like kind of synopsis of, of how we look at the market now? Like everybody talks about the tech companies. I think most people couldn't name 10 healthcare companies. At all. This is the biggest business in, in, in the country. Absolutely. It is the business. Tech may get the most funding, but especially in the down market, pharma and healthcare are really the ones to go to. Um, if you want to have a true edge in the market, and they're like the one thing that Kramer has said historically that has been true, there's a bull market somewhere in the down market. Pharma and healthcare tend to do better in a zero uh, inflation environment. Tech will do better. So you have to know what cycle we're in. Interest rates are up. Healthcare is up. Ozempic is going crazy. We talked about Novo a lot. I've been screaming Eli Lilly for, forever knowing that the interest rates were going to come up. That was a play into the rise in interest rates mm -hmm. as well. So you have to know the seasonality and the macro picture of what to invest in as well. Okay. Yeah. So off the backs of that, what sectors are best to invest in in the down market? Um, healthcare, for sure. I love. Uh, third, I would probably look at oil. And then B, I will look at commodities. So I would go healthcare first. Well, no, no. Let me scratch that. I would go defense. I don't love all defense companies, but in a down market, and if we're going to enter a longer war cycle, which we've been in war forever as a country, mm -hmm. I would go healthcare, defense first, or defense second for sure. Um, th those are the three that I would go with. Yeah, so I would take out commodities and, and pair them with defense. So historically, historically, this is based on history, obviously, uh, in a down market, utilities, healthcare, and consumer staples are the the safest and probably uh, the best investments. This is all yeah. based on the, the data. Consumer staples make sense. 
all right, these are the, the things that we're always going to need, beverages, yeah. uh, food, uh, home care supplies, personal supplies. These things we're, we're always going to need, whether it's a bull market or a bear market. Those are yeah. the And we'll get to Coke versus Pepsi later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. so yeah. We, we, we talk about it all the time and we talk about uh, ETF. So XLP would be, if you, you don't know what consumer staples are, that would be a good ETF to look at. And just look at the holdings and look at the allocations based on those holdings. So if you're looking at it from an individual standpoint, you can see the companies. Or if you want to have a safe route and invest in an uh, ETF, you can see yeah. that they have there, what they have there. Um, consumer discretionary is would be something like we always talk about when we talk about XLY. But again, yeah. those are things that we kind of spend when we have more than extra money right this is like yeah. when we have discretionary income these are the type of things we spend on so you'll, you'll find amazon so it's kind of the inverse right when money starts to slow down then we go back to the, the necessities uh, again food and beverage personal items uh so healthcare you spoke about but utilities is something as well yeah the again these are necessities right we're, we're going to need power we got all these things that become necessities in life or the way is how we should be looking at it from an investment standpoint. What do we absolutely need? Do we need communication? Yeah. Do we need utilities? Do we need to? Yes. So if we're looking at necessities, we're looking at need when it's a recessionary time, this is where our, our, our focus kind of should be. The only thing I would say about utilities is you have to know when to get out because if we're back in a low interest rate environment, mm -hmm. you could miss out on an opportunity to get 500 to thousand percent gain on a tech side. So I agree, but it's more of a, if I had a secondary portfolio, I will follow that. But if we got back to zero to 3% interest rate, I would have to take profit in the utilities and consumer discretionary and then go back to like, if we want to talk rotation, that mm -hmm. is a macro rotation that hedge funds will use. Not like the, the quarter to quarter that yeah. is often talking, talking about. That doesn't make I think we money. agree. Healthcare is number one. We both agree. Yeah, absolutely. But you said oil. I'm interested in why you said oil. Usually because if oil goes up higher, our economy tends to go down uh, during war. USO tends to shoot up a lot more crude and WTI goes up a lot more. So it's not one that I've always loved. Um, but if I'm looking historically at what does shoot up, um, oil does go up in that commodity space when, when the market is down overall. Like if we go to $115 a barrel, which I'm not saying we will, but the, that will be a sign of suppression in the economy overall. Like VIX is always number one for me. But if I have to pick second, like seeing where the price of oil is, is a determining factor of where the economy is as well. Yeah. I remember during yeah. the pandemic, uh, it, it was negative. Remember how it, it went negative? That yeah. was crazy. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of oil, so um, do you think oil will plummet or will continue to go higher in this current economy that we're in? Um, I think oil will pull back a little bit. Um, maybe high 80s and then we'll start to shoot back up. So we're, we're in a very interesting space because we're not clear on what's going to happen with um, Hamas. We'll talk about Kaiser Permanente and a few. They're going on strike. UAW is still in proceedings. The Hollywood strike just ended. So, and Troy said it like when it was negative, people began to build positions in oil. I think the highest it got to maybe was 91 bucks um, about a year and a half later. So we're going to be a, like a, a place where it's choppy back and forth for a little bit. Um, ultimately, like oil prices are going to come down because if not, consumers are going to get crushed mm -hmm. and businesses are going to get crushed. But I think we'll we'll see prices come down and shoot back up and then ultimately go back down in about three or four months. 
Yeah, you, you know what's interesting? And maybe you could, uh, again, just break this down for the people who may be unfamiliar, the correlation between the oil prices and when we see conflicts or war. And so over the weekend, we saw oil go up by 4%. Yeah. And so we saw this happen uh, when Ukraine, uh, and when Russia invaded Ukraine, it was a, a conflict. We saw oil prices have volatility. So what, what's the correlation between oil and conflict and war? Because we don't control our oil supply as cleanly as we should um, because we're dependent on others. So now, of course, I believe I think Saudi Arabia said that they may release barrels to offset the prices so it doesn't hurt everyone um, during this time. Because you don't want a whole bunch of reasons to not invest or for people to be timid. And we probably have 10 of them right now. We don't need another five on top of it. But the correlation is like because we don't control our supply and other countries have a vested interest in it. Um, or prices can, can continue to go higher during times of conflict because of people are going to keep the reserves uh, usually to themselves. Ultimately, how this always plays out with oil, everyone's worried for two or three months and it goes down. That would be the same case here. Mm -hmm. um, that's also why it's a push for it to go towards EV so we can have a control of that market cap, even though if we talk about EV, EV isn't as clean as everyone thinks it is. Um, and most of the people in oil will have majority market share in the EV space. But because we don't control our own supply, that's why you will see a lot of price man manipulation with oil during mm -hmm. times of conflict. Yeah, conflict, uh, natural disasters. We've seen that before. Yeah, um, it's a seasonality. So all these things play a role in when, when we're talking about oil. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting to keep your eye on. So Kaiser, what is the deal with this Kaiser strike that's going on? Um, things we talked about before, and I think musicians may be next if they smarten up, but uh, off the backs of the United Auto Workers striking, 75,000 uh, Kaiser Permanente workers walked off the job with an approved strike. So the healthcare space, I mean, your surgeries may be delayed, your medications may be delivered to you a lot later um, as a result. But the truth is, and it's not the employer's fault per se, but when inflation is outpacing wage growth, by 3x, 4x in some cases, um, rent is higher than it's been in the last maybe 15, 20 years. People don't want to keep coming to work just to get by. I see a lot of people saying, hey, I'm making more money than ever, and I feel broker than I ever have in my life. And if we don't begin to fix this, we're going to see a lot more industries begin uh, to revolt, to walk off the job, to, to force their own strike to get more favorable conditions. And for all the employers, this is why I've always said, if you don't pay your people well, some of you podcasters need to listen to, people are going to leave. If you aren't able to pay your bills and not worry all day, 24-7, about income, they won't be able to be productive for you. And this is one of the reasons why I say when I lean on a company like Apple that is technically a quasi-luxury company, you have more capital to be able to disperse to your employees for research and development, for acquisition. You need a cushion. All the low price providers, like even Dollar Tree, Dollar General, are going both going through hell right now, even though they have more people shopping in their stores for food, which is crazy to say. But the workers don't feel satisfied with what they're receiving. And because the margins are so thin, Dollar Tree and Dollar General stock price have been affected dramatically, even though people are going there more often than they used to. Um, so people have to find a way to, the employers have to find a way to pay better so that people can feel a lot more financially secure, um, in their lives. But this is why I always say you have to invest. This is the only way to outpace inflation. 
if inflation doubles or stays here for two or three years, the only thing that's going to allow you to be able to outpace that and not have to worry is having your own business and buying the best companies in the world. This is why it's so important. There's a uh, chapter in Money Master the Game uh, on inflation and why it's so key. Inflation has not come down since 1900. It's only went up. So if you think that even if you had a million, a million dollars in 1970 is not a million dollars today. You have to continue to find ways to, to deploy your capital to get more bang for your buck. Hmm. And if we could be honest, you guys just left the interview. Now we're doing a show. I'm sure you're working on other things that I won't say. So let's go. <laughs> let's, let's do the 52 week low segment. <laughs> All right. So we got 52 week lows. Now where they will go, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, and we're going to run down a, a bunch of them. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll start with uh, the Coca-Cola company. We kind of talked about Pepsi and Coke. Let's start with Coke. For those not in the know, uh, the ticker is KO. KO. Um, I like Coca-Cola only if it goes to $44.13. I'm not saying that it will go there, but if it does go there, um, that's the only price that I do like. it. I like its competitor a lot more that we can talk about, but um, Coca-Cola isn't as strong as it used to be, and I think this is part of the reason why Warren long ago exited it as his number one position. Good company, um, but I think it's lost its way a little bit. But I do like it at $44.13. It's currently trading at just above $52. So mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk about its competitor then. Let's go with uh, uh, PepsiCo. So the ticker is PEP, trading at about $161. Absolutely love. Uh, management has done a better job. Uh, I think over the last 10 years, stock prices performed better. Better suite of products, better margin. Um, I like Pepsi a lot better than Coke. Okay, Pepsi over Coke. All right, so let, let's let's go to the banking sector. Let's talk about uh, Bank of America. Ticker is BAC. It's at a fifty-two week fifty-two week low. Where will it go? Uh, currently trading at just above twenty-six dollars and thirty cents. Uh, Bank of America, shout to Brian Moynihan, shout to everybody in, in Charlotte and in corporate. Uh, Bank of America is a value stock. Um, it's uh, In 2008, of course, it got to a low of 12 bucks. Um, if we look now in 2023, it's at 26 bucks. There's probably 70 other companies you could have invested in in 2008 and 1,000% return. There are not one of them. Um, I don't like Bank of America. Maybe if it got to $16.27, uh, or if it got to back to the 82, 1982 area of like $12.50, I would take a stab at it, but I don't like Bank of America at all. And that's not because of my affiliation with JP Morgan, the ally. It's just underperformed the last 15 years. Yeah, I'm looking at their, their chart. Uh, let's talk about a company that has been near and dear to the show. Uh, mm -hmm. We've probably spoke about it with maybe within the first two episodes. And, uh, we watched its ascension and we watched it decline. Let's talk about Block, formerly Square ticker SQ. It is. I got a I got a rule of thumb. Like if something don't work out the first time, I got to leave it the second time. That's why I'll never go back to my exes. Shout to y'all, appreciate y'all. But so on that on the her loss. Uh, if you're watching this, it's too late. Uh, so with that said, I want to stay away from all commentary. Regarding blocks, I'm glad Jack's back. Jack, I appreciate you, right? Um, but th this being the only stain on my jacket, 
Shadi, set a pick for me. Flex. <laughs> let, me get, let me get a ball screen. I'm cool. So what happened? Oh, with him? What happened with Block? Because at one time you did you referred to it as the next JP Morgan. It was up mm-hmm. $272. And now it's it's at $42. So I mean it's it's its fall has been historic. Yeah. Um the collapse. I mean, you are what, what exactly happened? Uh, yeah, for Square, the best benefactor was Jay Z. Um, he did a, a tremendous deal with them and, and did some stuff with Title. I think, um, uh, and we saw it happen with Zuckerberg. I think it happens to all of us. Like things can be going well, we get caught off guard. Jack wasn't putting the same amount of energy, effort, and time into it. And then when interest rates uh, shot up dramatically, it killed a lot of the margins tied to um, Block or Square. And also, when you're betting big on crypto, Mm-hmm. And crypto takes a, a big, massive dump in the market, and all credibility is lost. And then the banks begin attacking it. It was like, I mean, even with JP Morgan, as soon as I said that two weeks later, they was like, give it three months and we'll see if they are the new us. Meanwhile, the same strategy that Square had and Bitcoin um, and, and that Coinbase had, they are now adopted and implemented inside of uh, other banks. So, um, but my thing, if I had a blinder, I didn't think the interest rates would kick up th- that high to destroy the company. Because if so, I, I wouldn't have said it. But that was the biggest blind spot, if you will, that, that I have for that company. Not thinking the interest rates would tick up that fast. Yeah, interest rates, I mean, it's kind of double fold the problem, right? So you're talking about a, a fintech company. And so we know when interest rate rises, interest rates rise, that usually affects tech a little bit different because the price of mm-hmm. interest, price of Infrastructure is going to be a little bit different, but when you're talking about a financial company as well, your profit margins get shrunk. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty substantially when the interest rates go. So they got hit with like a double, double head uh, slam hammer when we yeah. think about it, right? Like interest rates from one end and the other. And then obviously that that pivot to, to cryptocurrency, uh, we're, we're still waiting to see how that's going to work out. But the other part is what was the competitive advantage that they had? T- to me, having everyone in uh, at mass scale wanting to use an easy payment provider, they were much better than PayPal. Mm-hmm. They got people into crypto. Um, but ID and, and Stripe are going through the same issue. Like Stripe hasn't been able to go public because of the interest rate change. It's affected how a lot of they do business we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and most payment providers are not the easiest to deal with. For a while, they had an edge, the technical technological advantage. Um, and I think a lot of times when people see some of Elon's, um, like eccentric nature, they try to mimic that. And I think Jack did too much, not saying that he's not a great executive. Um, and there was a lot of infighting to S square that led to him not running things the way that he wanted to, which also happened at Twitter. Um, and that led to a, a demise was now they got to bring the boy back and, and see if they can save that ship. But I'm not, um, hitching my eggs in, into that one basket also too i'll say uh very honestly too if you lost money on square i apologize but it shouldn't have been one of the top six things that you invested in i've been clear on that so i'm not caping i'm a whole i'm gonna put it on my jacket where we're pride you the greatest investor in this generation but you on the i talk Remember about all the time i still am <laughs> it's a lot of people y'all adore who ain't put up the picks that i have but uh, I will hold this one on my jacket and say that if this is my one, uh, you know how like when, when Floyd got hit by uh, Shane Mosley, people like, oh, and my daughter, oh, he that could have killed him. That's like, well, if one hit is the highlight of everybody else's career, I'll take it. It is what it is. Yeah, and you were honorable about that and, and very vulnerable about that moment. So yeah, 
uh greatly appreciate that let's go over to another one 52 week low where will it go uh target we're talking about something yeah uh, we, we saw it hit its high during the pandemic of over 248 dollars right now it's trading at about 105 what's your thoughts on target um i don't like target unless it gets to 40 dollars and 23 cent 40 dollars what competitive advantage do they have over Walmart? No, no, I'm asking. I was just, just clarifying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Forty. That's why I personally like it at. Okay. At that level, because if interest rates continue to climb, they had a very miscalculated step with what caused some of the stock to fall. But what advantage do they have over Apple, which is a store as well? Amazon, Walmart, Mercado Libre. Costco. Even though Alibaba stock is not doing well, Alibaba, Costco, like you have some sharks in that retail space. Um, Sheen a little bit hotter than Target right now, even though I won't order, but shout to y'all who do. Sheen a little bit hotter. It's like, yo, I, I don't see what the competitive advantage is. Once again, when interest rates are higher and your customer base are pinching dollars and it seems like your your goods are getting pricier than ever. Like I know people go and spend two hundred dollars on Target, and it's like you walk out with two bags. It's not a great feeling. So, um, yeah. And if I'm also comparing things like how much money are they acquiring per square foot, you got to beat McDonald's, you got to beat Domino's, you got to beat Apple. There's you got to beat Louis Vuitton. There's just that's why I was said from the very beginning. You're not comparing sectors. You're comparing best of breed hmm. always. And if you can't beat Louis Vuitton in that or D, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be real tough. So Noriega just put on Instagram. He said, "Um, yo, Bitcoin or whatever is called ain't worth s h i t." You're gonna keep um, it clean. What, what, what do you? What would you say to people similar to Noriega that lost money in cryptocurrency? Because I don't think that it's a. I think he's misguided in his statement, but I can understand where that frustration may be coming from. When somebody comes in and says you can buy an asset class at any price, that's the biggest mistake ever. Number two, you should only buy Bitcoin at maybe 22,000, 25,000 at the highest or below. And the funds and banks are going to ruin all of the fun in crypto to then take it over for themselves. I know I'm not the most form. I don't know if Satoshi not. Nakamoto and I don't know I get it the prices were right though you gotta everything comes down to price like even everyone who had a $300,000 house and they bought it for 450 they are upset today with adjusted inflation the price of where you buy an asset matters more than anything um so if he bought it too high I understand why he would feel like that if he bought it at 22,000 or 23 I think this comes from a few different things without knowing the situation but I think it comes from him probably buying too high, which is a lesson for investors. Never buy the high. That's important. Yep. I think it also comes from him having a lack of understanding of, of cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. That's important. Never invest in something that you don't understand what you're investing in. That's important. And I think that it comes from just a lot of propaganda in this space, um, good and bad, which causes confusion. So, mm -hmm. It's good to block out the noise that comes from being educated. When you are firm in what you know, then the good news isn't going to make you just buy at any price. The bad news yep. isn't going to make you panic. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, once again, I think that Nori 
is probably down on crypto because he probably purchased at a high and yep. it probably, you know, has lost money or his account is, is in the red and he doesn't understand like, what is, I haven't used it. I've never used Bitcoin anywhere. I've never seen anybody use Bitcoin. What is this thing that cost 60,000 a few years ago? Now is in the 20, like, you know, it's like, this is stupid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah. once again, yeah. it's, it's having an understanding and not buying at highs. Never yeah. buy off the hype. Please don't. And then also a shout out to the Yala, but understanding the difference between trading and investing, right? Like he's saying today is not worth something, but in five years, he might have to revisit the conversation and have a, a different take on it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, everything Shai just explained is, is why this is important. Having these conversations is important. Educating people about the, the asset class is important and having platforms with people who are actually knowledgeable, who've done these things, Right, so we we can learn from people's mistakes is also important. So shout out to the Yala man. Um, you guys shoot him a text. Let him know. Yeah, yeah, right, man. Yala, yeah, Yala. tap in. Yeah, that's our guy. Tap in. Tap. In. I mean, and let me say this too. Like, I can stand accountable on Square. That's one out of however many stocks. Cool. Where's everyone who was advocating for it when it's not working? A lot of those people got quiet. I'm tired of people treating this like a hustle, podcasting like a hustle, investing like a hustle. It has to be a lifestyle. But by the time most people get enough courage to to want to copy, they'll put out one or two episodes, and it's like y'all got 14 in the can. It's like, come on, master a craft. Everyone, please put in chat, master a craft. Um, if nor anybody else needs help, I got you. But when everyone was screaming, it's going to go to a hundred thousand. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's go back to this. It's like a few more. I don't want to spend too much time on this segment. Let's, but there's some pressing issues that we have to talk about. Um, there has been a conflict that has happened in Israel this mm -hmm. weekend um, between Hamas and and uh, Israel. Um, so, yes, this is a very delicate situation. Yeah. Um, but is. very very important to to world politics and to the world period. Um, it was just on the eve of, well, not the eve, but it was coming up on Saudi Arabia trying to allegedly broker a, a peace treaty of sorts um, with Israel. So many people think that that has the timing has something to do with it to try to, um, you know, sabotage that that peace agreement, peace treaty situation. So it, and this this um, you know it plays a part on the world economy as well. First and foremost, you know people's lives is going to be lost. So that's the most important thing, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's also going to affect, you know, world economy. Um, stock market has not been uh, impacted so far. Uh, so yeah. What is your thoughts on how this could potentially play out and what impact could it potentially have for everyday people? Um, I want to touch on that from a uh, investment perspective, not so much a political perspective, Normally, when there's any wars, a threat of a war, the worst that it usually lasts is 24 months. I don't see this affecting the stock market alone for 24 months and maybe three to six months. Russia versus Ukraine was different because I think most people got the timing wrong of how long the Russia versus Ukraine conflict uh, matters. So if we're looking and making a table, Russia and Ukraine is number one. If China ever invades us or Taiwan, that would be number two. Um, 
And even though this conflict is devastating, it won't have that much of an impact on the market long term. Um, so I would say continue to invest for the long term in, in the top companies and you'll be fine. But this is just one of the added things that is happening in the market because uh, we have so many other things that are that is broken in the market. They sent the, the market down Sunday night, but as of today, mm-hmm. we recovered. So we're good. Yeah. I also think it's important to understand what the conflict actually is. And so from a historical perspective, we need we need clarity. And I know like history is one of your things. And I actually love listening to you talk about history. So could you just break down what the conflict is? We're talking about Hamas. We're talking about Israel, Palestine. Like, can you summarize that for the audience that who may not understand what is happening or the history of what has happened in the past? Yeah. And um, I'm not a historical expert on this matters. So I don't want to I don't want to, you know, go too deep into it, but I'll just give a, you know, a overview of sorts. And um, yeah, it's been an ongoing conflict between the Palestinians and Israel for over 60 years now when the Israeli state was established mm-hmm. um, with the help of European powers in America. And um, it was previously a country called Palestine. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the idea what people would like to happen was a two state solution, which um, has never really effectively happened. It's, um, it's not a country that has been able to thrive as far as Palestine is concerned. Um, and Israel has had security issues because the Palestinians and Hamas and PLO before that um, has been having ongoing conflict. And it's something that has impacted, especially the Middle East, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see allies from Iran, uh, Syria, and different parts of the Middle East that have um, banded together with the Palestinians for their fight for their independence. And America and most European countries have heavily supported Israel throughout the course of um, their existence. So this is a... a um, very complicated issue and something that has a lot of um, historical meaning because, um, you know, Jerusalem and Israel, that's the Holy Land, right? Yeah. And that's uh, where all three major religions have sacred ground, uh, Christianity, um, Islam, and Judaism. So it's uh, it's been a very... Um, unfortunate situation because thousands of people have died um, for years and it's something that you know has never come to peace since it started it has never been in peace from that two state solution has never has never happened and um, both sides um, argue against the other side Um, so yeah this is something that you know when we see what happened this weekend and Israel's response, I'm sure, is going to be uh, very hard, and uh, probably thousands of Palestinians will end up dying, which happens. Yeah. It seems like every uh, every couple of years, these these type of unfortunate events happen, and um, there has never been a president that has been able to um, broker any peace. That's that's been something that you know a lot of presidents have tried, including President Obama, um, but none have been successful. Um, Egyptian president tried to uh, have peace and think he got assassinated for that years ago. So yeah, Saudi Arabia has been the latest 
to try to um, broker peace. That doesn't look like that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, you know, it's one of these things. UAE just opened up flights, I believe, last year to mm-hmm. allow citizens from Israel to come to Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And, and I think Saudi Arabia just opened up some levels of communications and flights as well. Um, so, yeah, very extremely unfortunate situation that seems like it, it's a it's a never ending um, fight. And it definitely impacts people. You know, you have religion. So whenever you have religion involved, that's going to play a major part and, um, you know, rally strong emotions from both sides, from Jewish side, Islamic side, from a variety of different people and other people that don't have any fight in it, but they still have, you know, uh, feelings and emotions that are tied to it. And there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money that have been spent on supporting Israel. There's a lot of money that has been spent to try to help the Palestinians on the Arab side. So, yeah, you know, that's that's the quick overview of it. Like I said, I don't want to disrespect the situation by mm-hmm. trying to speak in like facts, like I'm a historian on it because yeah. I'm not. But, um, you know, that's that's some some level of understanding that, um, you know, and then, of course, you can seek your own level of research if you if you're into it. Yeah. Overview. yeah, I appreciate it. I think that gives yeah. some, some clarity. For us, we're just watching news clips, so we're watching the news, but we don't really have the history of it. So, I mean, I think that was a that was a great great take on it. Appreciate you. Yes. Absolutely. So, okay. Um. All right. Switching gears. Let's talk about Nvidia. Mm-hmm. So, Nvidia has been a stock of the year that everybody has been talking about, and uh, it was fifty two week low was one hundred and eight dollars. Fifty two week high was five hundred and two dollars, but. Mm-hmm. Since it hit five hundred dollars, it has dropped almost fifty dollars mm-hmm. um, around the four hundred and fifty-two range. So, okay, was the, is the Nvidia hype over? Um, will it have a new bull run? Will it? Is it time to invest in Nvidia? Is 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 Nvidia overpriced? Mm-hmm. Will it split? Will Nvidia split? Hmm. What's the what's That'd the deal with Nvidia? Um, I, I hope it does split, but from what I'm hearing from a couple of people that work inside of the industry, um, NVIDIA has another chip that is going to come out that could change the game. So I would say put NVIDIA back on your watch list. So if you missed this first run, um, we have to argue that their CEO probably is top five right now. If they come out with another chip that could change the game like this first one did, um, it could definitely send the stock stocks in soaring higher. If it goes above 700, at some point they are going to have to split to make it affordable. But Nvidia in this decade may be cementing themselves as one of the new power players for the next decade. Um, kind of like we had Fang in the last decade that was dominant. They're going to be one of the players that's most dominant in the space and in the market overall. So I would definitely begin to put on your watches. And at the Chicago show, I will give you a price to look to buy in into NVIDIA if you missed it at the top of this year or last year. And if you made off NVIDIA, made money off NVIDIA, please put yes in chat. But at the Chicago show, October 22nd, I'll give you a price of where to enter. This is an interesting time. It's an interesting yeah. time for NVIDIA. Um, I'm glad you brought up the price because there is news that uh, OpenAI may be looking to use a different uh, chip supplier outside of NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. So that is interesting. There is also some news. So I like when Ian says, from what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing, there is mm-hmm. a company out there named Microsoft that is interested in creating their own chip. 
um, which is also oh, which is also an interesting proposition for Nvidia. Um, do I love it long term? Absolutely. But when you have companies coming into a market, especially like a Microsoft, it does take time. And just because they're saying they do it, it doesn't mean that they'll have it next year. It might take ten to fifteen years for them to create um, the the factories and to create uh, you know the machinery needed to create yeah. these waffles that have the that make the semiconductors. But the fact that they're coming into the space uh, tells you that this is a space that's going to be here for the long term. Long term. Um, NVIDIA is the leader now, like we said a couple of weeks ago, I think for the next three to five years, just because of the amount of time it takes to get a, a business like this up and running or to get the machinery up and running to com compete in this space, they'll be ahead. Over the next 15, 10 to 15 years, yeah. there's going to be some challengers. The fact that Microsoft, and I think next month, they're going to announce it, that they're coming to the space to create their own chips. I think Apple follows suit. I think Amazon already, they're already following suit. So that takes some of the, the market um, lead that they have uh, so it'll be interesting to watch but what we're, what we're about to see is we're going to see the ai chip wars that's what we're having. absolutely ai chip wars is is what's on the frontier for the next five to ten years um so they're leading now but definitely watch out for those that that magnificent seven all of them are going to have their own version yeah um which is going to cut into that that market lead that they have and i'll say too if whatever tech company is not focused on making their own chips they're going to get left behind this is the equivalent of like a AI assembly line, because in order for Microsoft and Apple to really be dominant in tech, they're going to need their own chips to be able to, to run the processes as fast as they need to. Um, but this is why NVIDIA needs to counter with the superior chip. Mm -hmm. So, of course, if Meta comes out with one, which I believe they will, Apple, Amazon, Google, if NVIDIA remains in pole position with the best chip, they can remain a market leader. But if you have five or six competitors clawing at you every day, going back to what we were talking about yesterday, uh, excuse me, last week, that's why you have to stay on your grind every week. I know people always give you pushback for when you say that, but if you are not ahead of the competition, at some point you're going to be a laggard and you may not be able to ever catch up. That's why I always bring up IBM. IBM was really big in the AI space in the 90s and early 2000s, and they lost it. Yeah, yeah. And, and what they need... This is the interesting part, right? The the price point is what gives it the advantage now. But if these five competitors come in and they're making uh, equivalent, not even a superior chip, but an equivalent chip or yep. superior chip with a lower price point, we, we've seen Amazon do this plenty of times. <laughs> yeah. They come in, they see the competition, they make a similar product, they drop the price point. You can't compete because most people are going to pay for the thing that costs less. Um, even if they have equivalent service, not superior, but even equivalent at a lower yeah. price point, that's going to cause damage. So definitely is, is the reason why you got to stay ahead of the game uh, and make sure, make sure that you're always being innovative. And my final point, another thing that quantitative easing does is it makes everyone compete. When interest rates are low, you can get money for cheap. Everyone gets a little bit more comfortable. Quantitative easing goes away. Interest rates are higher. Now you have to fight for less customers, less clients. Everyone has to innovate a lot faster to stay in the lead. Let's talk about Tesla. Tesla stock dips after China EV sales fall by 11%. Mm -hmm. It's now a time to buy. It's now a time to buy Tesla. Uh, I mean, I know this is a sensational headline, but the, in our market, the stock only dropped 2%. It's a non-factor. Tesla can go up 2% in a day, hour. Yeah, a couple minutes. So um, I still like Tesla long term. I wouldn't factor this in 
to be the most important thing. They have a couple other issues I think they need to fix, but I'm not worried about this um, dropping EV sales in China as a catalyst for me to be out of it. Are you worried about the continuous drop in the sales of the vehicles? We spoke about this, about cheapening the product, less yep. than the cost. We want to take the volume play. Are you concerned about it? Because they just dropped the price of the S, the Y models. What's your thoughts, man? He going to learn. I'm going to take them prices up. You have to pick if you're going to be luxury or economy. Being economy is not the vibe, especially if you're an automaker. I know he wants scale, but scale with little profit margin is a recipe for disaster. Like if you compare LVMH, luxury products, they have a monopoly on the luxury market. I will stay there. Apple has the same. When you begin to play price wars, they all usually go out of business because um, you need the money for research and development. You need more executives there. I think it's a huge mistake. So, yeah, those numbers do need to increase because um, you can't decrease price and decrease the number of units that you sell. And it's really hard to have exponential growth decade over decade in any market. You got to pick one. I would have them raise their price immediately. Let's talk about war-related investments mm -hmm. there's a few of them um what does this mean like this is like military companies that's a military uh supply companies yeah or, or have exposure to defense or war there's a hedge if, if a war breaks out these are some of the ones that you could potentially invest in all right so there's a few of them you want to go through them uh, one of them is gd yeah, General Dynamics is one of, I would say, that is best to breed. So if I'm looking at it right now, it's at $2, Um, I like this stock a lot. So since 2008, I mean, it was at 41 bucks in 2009. Great return. I do like General Dynamics a lot if we go into a war or if we stay in this environment where things are tested between uh, the Israeli conflict, uh, China and Taiwan and um ukraine and russia well you say when we go into war uh what what do you mean by that i mean well america i think in since inception has only been out of war 17 years so we always are fighting some conflict or have some kind of allies that are in a conflict um and it does have an impact on our economy as a result so um not that we're like in a direct war if you will but the russia ukraine conflict which i won't go into too much it's having an impact on my our economy and we're putting way too much money into ukraine i always say it like why are we deploying billions of dollars we have homeless people in every major city that are going through an economic crisis that they've never seen since 2008. um so if, if capital is leaving even though we may not have boots on the ground it is still technically our war so if that's the case right i mean that's a pretty interesting statistic we're always finding somebody you talked about that company. What What are your thoughts on a company like Raytheon, whose pretty much the mission is to fund and create missiles, create technology around defense systems? What are your thoughts of having something like that in a portfolio long term? When we talked about companies that we should be looking at, defense, right, is is one of those things. If we're if we're talking yep. about we're in these times, so what's your thoughts around like a company like that? Um, I like Raytheon at 57 bucks, or if I can get it at 65. Um, stable company, you can argue there are some companies that give better returns, but it's one of those ones you don't have to think about. General Dynamics will go on that same uh, portfolio. And then, of course, Exxon, if war increases the profitability of 
oil-based companies are going to go up as well. Mm-hmm. So I like those three as a, a parent. Uh, Raytheon, General Dynamics, Exxon as like a military or war-based hedge portfolio. So that's like its own ETF you just created? Pretty much, yeah. We're going we're gonna to call it the defense ETF. So you got some oil stocks, you got some machinery stocks, and you got some defense system stocks inside of it. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, like, no matter what happens in the economy, your job as an investor and a person that is battling a recession independently, you have to know how to make money regardless of what market that you're in. The thing that makes Luca real dope, Kyrie real dope, KD real dope, LeBron, they can get a bucket in any scenario. Um, so if you're not able to do so with your portfolio and your business, you're going to be in a tough spot. Um, I will add Chevron to that ticker CVX to their portfolio as well. And that would be the four that I would look at to round out my defense portfolio. If um, the political climate is favorable of more wars. All right. So we got CVX, we got GD, uh, we got XOM and w- w- would you add Chevron? Chevron. Uh, would yeah, you I'll add right there. All right. So let's yeah, get RTX inside it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because uh, they keep saying, oh, two tech, two index, what else? I'm like, I get people want diversity. Sometimes diversity is overrated. But if we're going to be in like a warlike scenario, and o- often wars happen when money is not flowing as readily. People are fighting for less resources. Like when money was flowing and everything was fine, we didn't have the formation of bricks moving as fast and all of these wars and talks of Taiwan being taken over by China. Like we had a lot less threats. When the money is not flowing, that is going to lead to um, a lot more warlike scenarios that we have to face. Yeah, and you got another company inside of there because war looks different in these times and days. Uh, Fortinet, which is more of a cyber security type. Mm-hmm. Security. So talk about that, having that as part of, the, I guess, if we're creating this, this war-based ETF, having the cybersecurity component as well. You have to have one because at some point, a lot of the attacks are going to be digital and internet-based and not just boots on the ground. Um, even when the thing happened in Caesars, my first thought was, man, what if an enemy combatant got a hold of seven or eight of our biggest companies and drained them or held them up for ransom to get billions of dollars out of them? You have to be protected and look at every side of the, of the game to see where, if this does break out, how you can protect yourself and be able to make money for you and your family. Okay, got you. And for those I, that are taking notes, because I know a lot of people are, Write down their notes for it. The ticker is FTNT. FTNT. Yeah. I will keep that on the watch list. It's not one that I will put as number one for all of you who like to do review videos, but I will put it on a watch list. <laughs> review how much money you have. <laughs> Kindly. <laughs> Shawty tired of me today. <laughs> review your account. <laughs> account review. Yes. Yeah. I mean, also, too, like, House Speaker got kicked out. Yeah. The Treasury bond market we, I've been talking about is one of the worst crashes in history since March 2020. T-bonds with a maturity of 10 years or more have fallen 46%. Um, this bond route is worse than the one we saw in 1981 where the yields almost hit 16%. Small bankruptcies have been rising. We are in a different environment. Yeah, it's a dip like the bond market is supposed to be a beacon of safety and it's performing like the 2000 dot com crash. That's troubling if you've been in a 60 40 portfolio the last five years. Tough crypto fell, T bonds fell, Airbnb got litigated out the market, podcasts have felt like 
but you have to find a way to be profitable and get a bucket in every market. This is why practice is really important if you're going to trade. That's why knowing where to get in on crypto at the right price is key. Prices presume overall. Um, and I know sometimes it may feel like we're coming off to be salacious. It's not that, but like there's signs of the times that are happening in real time that the economy is turning and we don't see light at the end of the tunnel yet. Leadership bad. Interest rates are high. The Fed looks scared when they talk. You want to know a real like sign to know if things are going well? Look at the federal chairman, reserve chairman, and see how confident he is when he's speaking or if he's telling you through his body language that things are going to be tough for a little bit of time to come. If the Fed chair is concerned, you, you have to get prepared. I'm not this to scare anybody. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. But when I'm looking at this as an investor, usually we have three or four of these things happen at a time. We now have them all happening in succession at one time happening. And everyone's acting like everything's okay. And it's not. So there's a tweet out there saying that Congress has been buying defense stocks. Mm -hmm. What to make of that? They're playing the playing within the rules of the game. Um, shout out to Queen Pelosi, the greatest trader of all traders. Um, if they're buying defense stocks actively, it tells you that a war probably could break out. Well, you has that been verified or is it just a Twitter rumor? You can go to Senate Stock Watch. I have no affiliation. Um, you can go to Senate Stock Watch, Quiver Quant. Uh, you can go there and see what they're actively buying. It's true. It's true. Hypothetically, like whenever these bills are about to get passed or we're about to go to war, they just know a couple weeks in advance what to buy. Six months out. You know? Yeah. So, um, th and that's also another signal of what could come because if they're hedging with that when this wasn't normally the hedge, it normally was Tesla calls and NVIDIA calls and Apple calls Apple, and now yeah. they're going to defense. Now they're telling you, hey, this could be coming or I got a bug in my ear for what could be. Do we know what companies that they're actually invested in? I haven't been able to find them yet. I, trust me, I've been hunting. Hopefully by next week I can find them, but if not, definitely at the show um, in Chicago, October 22nd, yeah. I will have them for you. I feel like that's always the interesting part. Like we'll, we're here that they're investing in companies. I remember when they were, they were doing Apple and they did Disney um, and when they were, you know, they had puts and they had calls on it. We found out about it like six months after or four yeah. months after and it was like, all right, well, they already reaped the benefits. They probably got in and out of these positions already paused uh, and we're just reading about it. Uh, yeah. So like, I wonder if, if I know that they're trying to, you know, put laws in place that, you know, Congress and, and people uh, in political power can't trade or they shouldn't be allowed to. But mm -hmm. it'd be interesting if they could have them what they're actually doing since they are public figures. Uh, yeah. and they, you know, they have influence and they have advantages in having information that we don't as yep. a general public. If they could have like a live ticker of the things that, you know, some of the things that they're actually investing in. That would be great. Um, and for everyone who's wondering, they are playing in the rules since they report it. It is technically not inside of trading if you report it within a certain amount of time. Right. Um, but I will go to Quiverquant, Senator Stockwatch, or you can just Google Congress trades and there's a bunch of sites that'll tell you what they're actively in. Yeah. I haven't seen Pelosi uh, invest in anything yet, but if so, she is a market maker for me She's, that I will look at. Yeah, and and she, I mean, I, I feel like her minimum investment is five hundred thousand dollars every time she does it, uh, anywhere between five hundred to two million. And so we're, we're not we're talking thousands and hundreds of thousands of shares of, of when she gets yeah. in, into a company, um, which is good to know, right? Like there, there's some there might be a piece of legislation that gets passed that's going to be 
beneficial for the investment that she's making mm-hmm. or it could be detrimental and, and now she's making puts on that company yep. um, which is sort of i mean you talk about competitive advantage that's a good one that's a hell of a one and a half <laughs> that is a hell of an advantage to have for sure also it does tell you about position sizing um for what her net worth is how much she's risking on every trade and also how long she stays in those trades it's a good homework assignment that i think everybody should follow yeah yeah all right well juicy j has <laughs> issued a, a call for a meeting have you seen that words of juicy mm-hmm. j he's saying that um rap sales are down 40 percent and um it's uh has reached urgency levels i agree mm-hmm. He's calling all music heads to come together and have a meeting mm-hmm. about the state of rap music sales being down. Um, he said, this is how we eat. So if we can't mm-hmm. sell records, if we can't sell records, then we're in trouble. Word to Juicy yeah. J. Yeah. What do you think? I think that the landscape has changed. I think people are, we were talking about this with Slim Thug. Um, Afrobeats has taken over the world. Um, yep. You got uh, reggaeton taking over the world. So I just feel like there's just more. There's more to choose from, right? As opposed to the days when it was everything was just rap or R&B, but mainly just rap, hip hop. So there's still people that are selling records, obviously, like Drake and those type of people, 21 Savage and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's difficult from a business standpoint. I think uh, the business model has to change. I think more creativity has to be displayed mm-hmm. and um diversity yeah. and sound is needed i think it, it, there's cycles to it i mean i remember when hip-hop wasn't the number one genre when it came to consumption of music and it was mm-hmm. country music and then finally you know or it was rock music and then that got phased out and then hip-hop became the dominant consumption of music but in culture and it's been that way for the past you know 15 to 20 years um but even when we, we talk about Afro beats and different forms of music, I don't. The sales don't match the the way that they used to, right? People are not consuming the music at the same level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you do have a Bad Bunny, and of course you have a Beyonce or you have a Taylor Swift, and you have a Drake. But when he used to do, you know, a million uh, albums sold in a week, he's now doing four hundred thousand in a week, and Travis Scott is doing less. Mm-hmm. And we won't even talk about some of the other artists who have put out music that have, you know, so far less than that. But even how they calculate it, I mean, it it might it's a I feel like it's a skewed number, right? Because with the eye test when we look at some of these people and they they perform in stadiums and they perform in arenas, and there's twenty thousand people there every night in every city. I mean, you would assume that a fraction of that population is going to consume the music. So. I mean, it's interesting. I, I I don't know where he got the statistics from, but I like I like the call. I like the call. Out. I think that people actually are just not the attention plan is different too. Like yeah. now, it's so much of streaming and everything. Like even I talk to my son, I'm like, "What's your favorite rap?" He's like, "I don't have one." So it's like he listens to rap music, but he's not like you know yeah. hardcore like you know fanatic on any one artist. And I think that you know there's so much stuff with video games, with streaming, with Instagram, with podcasting. Like the the fight for attention has never been higher than it is now, which obviously, you know, it affects other other genres, traditional genres of attention, like music. So I yeah. think that, that might have something to do with it as well, where so much people, just kids is watching video games. They're watching people play, play video games for yeah. hours, for hours. Well, like, that's what they're doing for hours. So like, here's the other piece, though. Is the music good? 
I think nope. I mean let's just talk about that. Like, is the music good? Right. So like I, I would use like Scissors album, for example. We put this album out in December. It's been a top ten album since its release. There's been five number one singles. There's been hit after hit. The music was good and so sustainable. Right. We're putting out, we're listening to projects that they come out one week and then somebody's next week. But we never revisit it because the substance of the music wasn't good. The relatability, the topic of the music wasn't good. And so that that I think when he calls out that part of it, there's a call to action that needs to be had. We got to get back to actually making music that's good. And that's why, I mean, even shout out to Puff. Like when I heard that the music from the Love album, I'm like, oh, this reminded me of R&B. But there's a generation that never heard that sound. Yeah. <laughs> Something that might be good to us is like, well, what is this? But can, can the music be good if the industry isn't paying well? Like, I, I remember last week I was having the same conversation online and people was like, well, yeah, people aren't relying on record sales. And I'm like, if they convince an entire generation to tour for money and your record sales don't count, if any other business did that, that would be a Ponzi scheme. Also, the music industry got in bed with Spotify because they let Steve Jobs ruin the music single format and sell them for 99 cents. So they didn't want that to happen again. Um, I think three labels own 70% of Spotify. Okay, great for them. But if you put in streaming and people don't care about artists longevity, are you then cannibalizing the same thing that you're selling? Like, I think musicians at some point are going to have to strike. Hmm. Like, imagine if YouTube said to us, hey, just put out the show for free. I know we used to pay, but that's ours now. Different and artists model. are going for a different business model. You got to adjust. And if you keep letting people rob you, why would they do anything differently? Hip Hop Summit. It's needed. Hip Hop Union. Benny Siegel told us that 20 years ago. There's no union, no dental plan. I can't eat off 100 grand. I got cavities that need filling. We still haven't seen it happen. Yeah. Will not happen, probably. Sad. All right. Well, it's been real, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> I love your abruptness, man. I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> like, all right, let y'all figure it out. Album ain't doing well. Podcast ain't doing well. Good luck, rappers. <laughs> Good luck. Good so, luck. <laughs> Good luck, so-called rapper. When this flip, I'm gonna get on some other. Yeah. Jay told y'all that, man. '96, man. Like. Told y'all long ago. Is what it is, but yeah, you know, for the people who um have been wanting less social commentary on Market Mondays. This is your episode. We uh, talked very minimal mm -hmm. about anything other than the stock market and investing. So if the views aren't tremendously higher than this, we're we going go right back, back to Brittany Renner. Joe Button and Drake. <laughs> Joe Button and Drake will be the opening topic that, this week. Big facts. Three seconds. <laughs> the first monologue of the year. Yes. Big facts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout to Ed, shout to Mel, shout to Joe. For all the shout dogs. to Parks for catching us straight. For all the dogs. That was crazy. <laughs> Mark that Zuckerberg. Was crazy. Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that was crazy. And shout shout out to crazy. 21 Savage for, for being able to lead the country to tour. And congrats to Drake for having a successful tour. Um, got to catch the show. Um, I know he closed it out in Toronto, so Congrats to him on that. For all the yeah. dogs. For all my dogs. Yeah. All right. Well, tomorrow, Van Jones. Legendary situation. Super important, y'all. Go Very check it. Your leisure, 1 o'clock, Eastern Standard Time. Get your tickets to Market Mondays.
Chicago. Can't wait. Cross Mac will be in the building. 19 Keys will be in the building. Giveaways will be done. Other surprises. Presentation. One night, one night only. Yes. Midwest. Yep. The whole Midwest. Come out. Yeah. Get your education highest level possible. You will leave with life-changing gyms. That is a mm-hmm. fact. Uh, this Saturday, we're back in New York. SelectCon. Pull up on us. Hey. Shout out to the good folks of United Masters. We will be at SelectCon. We will be talking to Elliot Wilson. will be interviewing us. I saw that. That's dope. Yeah. 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 I'm going to hold my take about hip-hop journalism till next week. We're going to see what these views like. Yo, man. From reading the XXL in yeah, 1997 to have this moment, it's, it's pretty surreal. Shout out to Elliot. Shout out to Stout. Shout out to the whole UM team. Dave, Eden. Uh, everybody, man. Appreciate y'all. Shout out to the good folks at United Masters. We will be up there this weekend in your new New York City. We're back home. Coming home. All right. Um, it's been real. Yeah, I love y'all. Stock Club call Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central. Um, can't wait to see y'all soon. <laughs> Area 21. 29. 29. 29. We done. That's the magic they make happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you know, you donations. Know. The cruising, not <laughs> the recruitment tour. If you know, you know. Earn your recruitment. <laughs> uh, support black business. That's a fact. Is this who you put your faith in for your financial? Vi- yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Name them who better. Oh, uh, man. Oh, man. All right, guys, been real. Tap in. All right, be good, y'all. Love is love. Peace. Peace. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 